This is episode 4 of English VoiceOver in Asia. I am your host, Yui Haruhara, and today's guest is Michael Pizzuto, our first guest that's worked in Hong Kong. Yes, Hong Kong has an English dubbing scene and has for a long time, not just for anime, but also kung fu and kaiju films. That's Japanese monster movies like Godzilla. Not only is Michael experienced in doing Hong Kong dubs, but these days he's living in America doing dub work here. Michael also does live action work and stage productions. People familiar with Hong Kong doves may know Michael for Kururu in Sergeant Kerodo, Hiroshi Nohara in Shinchan, and Michael's personal favorite, Moon in Linetown. He's also been in the Hong Kong doves of Yokai Watch, Dr. Slump, and Bakano. Michael and I first got in touch in September of 2020 when I was beginning to do research for my massive Full Metal Alchemist videos, which you should check out on YouTube if you haven't already. I was researching the dub by SDI Media in Hong Kong. Michael wasn't in it, but did help on other videos. This isn't even my first interview with Michael. I invited him on for a roundtable interview with voice actors Peter Doyle and Chuck Huber in 2021, who have both also voiced Hiroshi Nohara on Shin-chan, so it was an anime dad roundtable. Each dub these actors were in is drastically different, with Peter's being aimed at kids, Chuck's being aimed at adults, and Michael's being the most accurate to the Japanese version relative to the others. You can watch that on YouTube if you're interested. The interview today focuses on his career overall. Without further delay, here's my interview with Michael Pizzuto. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, this is Michael C. Pizzuto. Where are you originally from? Originally born in Michigan, raised in the... Uh outskirts just outside of Detroit in the suburbs of Detroit and uh grew up there went to school there and school in the upper peninsula of Michigan oh yeah youper oh yeah oh <laughs> say yeah to the up <laughs> and where do you live now currently I'm in Los Angeles okay and at one point you lived in Hong Kong that's right I was there for about 13 years wow uh what why did you move to Hong Kong well it started off as a one-year adventure, really. I was uh, only planning on going out there for one year, and it was while I was at a theater company in uh, Ohio, of all places, and <laughs> I was, I knew that I was going to end my contract with that company, but I didn't know what I was going to do, so I decided that, well, I better look for a job online because my plan was to move to Los Angeles, and this was way back before Hong Kong. But before the whole rich and famous part comes along, I got to have a job to pay the bills, right? So I'm looking on monster.com and I'm looking for some sort of maybe theater box office or theater related job. And I see this possible job in Hong Kong advertising in the Los Angeles area. But I think, well, well what the hell? I'm never going to get that, but what the hell? I'll give it a shot anyway. Next thing you know, I'm being interviewed and being uh, put on contract to do a one year stint with a theater company in Hong Kong. And while I was out, while I was out there, I had everything I owned in storage in the States. Cause it was just, you know, supposed to be that one year adventure. Then I'd come back and start my life in Los Angeles. But once, uh, once I got out there, I just kind of fell in love with Hong Kong <laughs> and it became a place where I was able to, uh, start doing a lot of voice work. Um, I was initially doing mostly stage work, for the first year that I was there. And then uh, the longer that I stayed, I, I was started, I was on stage at one point and somebody had uh, seen a show that I was in and asked me if I ever had any interest in uh, doing voiceover work or 
animation. I thought, well, sure, absolutely, I would. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'm auditioning and being part of uh, a group that did dubbing five to six days a week back then. <laughs> wow. So I ended up staying uh, much longer than just my one year. Two, one year became two, then three, then four, then <laughs> <laughs> eventually 13 before I ended up back in L.A. Yeah. Uh, why'd you move back to L.A.? Yeah, there was a lot of different factors involved. Uh, one of them being the that uh, a lot of the work was sorry, a, a chihuahua in the background Aww. greeting a UPS uh, person at the door. But <laughs> anyway, just in case you hear some random barking. Um, but uh, what happened was a lot of businesses and companies that I was doing voice work from uh, moved out of Hong Kong. A lot of the dubbing went away. Um, a lot of stuff, um, Turner Broadcasting, Turner Asia, which owned a lot of the, uh, companies that I was doing promo work for. I was the voice of True TV Asia and uh, Cartoon Network Asia, and they up and wow. moved to Singapore. So, huh. you know, with that being gone, unfortunately, that was missing. Then, um, Hong Kong government has gone through a lot of changes in the mm -hmm. last, uh, three to four years. And unfortunately, one of them, one of those changes meant that my uh, radio show that I had on the public TV radio was kind of like the equivalent of NPR in Hong Kong. Uh, it was Radio Television Hong Kong. They, uh, they got rid of my English-speaking radio show, along oh with a lot gosh. of other English educational programming. And so that went away. Um, so long story short, it was just a lot of the work that I was reliant on and, and, and having became few and far between. And so the next step in my career would be to head over to LA and it was, it's been a great transition. I'm very happy that I did it. I've been uh, staying quite busy in the, in the acting world since my move here. That's good. When did you move to LA? When? Yeah. Uh, well, three years ago I made a transition over here but I was still going back and forth to Hong Kong. Mm. So I would, I actually had a, an apartment in both Hong Kong and in LA and I do, you know, a trip back every two months or so mm. back and forth. Um, but about, yeah. So it's been about, uh, about two and a half, two years since I fully moved out here. Okay. Well, you picked a good time to, yeah. Oh my man. gosh. Yeah. So you, yeah, you have quite the wealth of experience. Uh, what other positions or jobs do you have or have you held, like writer or anything else? Uh, in Hong Kong, I used to help adapt scripts. I used to write scripts. Um, I did a lot of that for various shows, but it was not one of the more fun things that I wanted to do. And so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been. I, I haven't done that since I've been here in the States. A, a little bit of pre-production uh, with scripting and stuff like that but um, at, for part-timing. But for the most part, I've just been uh, sticking to either acting for camera or voice acting. Wow. What do you do in your free time? Well, uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I love going to do antiquing and <laughs> I love going to these estate sales that's one of the main things i loved it ever since i've been out to la i've been on this estate sale kick where <laughs> there's a website and you, you just 
you see all these estate sales happening in LA and you can go to all these homes and some of them are just, you know, your average, uh, you know, working middle-class homes. And then some of them are Beverly Hills mansions with real Picassos on the wall being sold for a few thousand dollars each. And, and, you know, and just getting the chance to see all of LA uh, by going to these, that's, it's, I don't know. It's been kind of a fun thing that I've been doing recently that I really enjoy and, you know, collecting things here and there. I have a collection of records and collection of Don Quixote items and stuff like that. So Sometimes I can find those things at those estate sales. Wow. That, that does sound like fun. Yeah. So how did you get your start with uh, professional work? Like how old were you and what was like your first gig? Uh, voice wise or you mean acting? Oh, just just in, just in general. Well, I started off as a teenager doing theater um, and my mom did theater before me. And I started getting a paycheck to do theater when I was 16. (laughs) And um, so then I went off to college to study theater. And uh, so the most part, um, I didn't really get into voice acting until much, much later. It was um, while I was at a theater uh, in Ohio that I was mentioning before my move to um, Hong Kong. And I started doing some commercial work, voice work that, um, you know, for uh, different radio spots and things like that. But it wasn't until I got to Hong Kong that I started really doing animation work. And that's when it all kind of the whole world exploded for me and all the possibilities of, you know, various things like promo work and radio show and, uh, you know, Every bit of every bit of voice work they can think of, um, you know, a lot of dubbing. And one of the things that, uh, aside from dubbing animation and live action as well, that they do is some what they call Walla and ADR work. Did a lot of that. Some things that uh, people might not know. Work that is done in Hong Kong. You see, in China there are limitations to what you can have on the screen as far as what you can say. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong has uh, pretty much the so far, who knows what's going to happen by the time this airs, <laughs> but so far they have a lot of freedoms as far as what they can play uh, on the big screen or their TVs, but mainland China, for example, you can't talk about revolution mm-hmm. or you can't talk about um, you can't speak bad things about Russia even. So there's some, some things that you have to replace the wording and we would go in and do a lot of voice um, replacement, uh, replacing different words in movies before they hit the big screen in mainland China. Uh, Or, you know, they would just change the entire scene altogether sometimes. And we would have to talk about something completely different. But that wasn't just for China. That happened a lot in Asia, uh, especially uh, there were uh, certain countries where, you know, um, that are very religious. And, for example, uh, you know, there are parts of Indonesia, Malaysia, Brunei that we couldn't talk about certain things like alcohol or you couldn't talk about uh, gambling so there was one episode I remember of a show where it was all about winning the lotto and it had, everything had to be ch- changed to winning a contest, you know, and, 
it was and every it just had to be made up into like a, you know something completely different um you can't talk about magic so it has to be abilities you know so there's oh my gosh different countries censorship and restrictions that we don't really even think about over here because we don't have to worry about that but it did in a way create voice jobs <laughs> in hong kong huh. so yeah. wow but yeah so that's kind of yeah um so what is it like doing voiceover work in hong kong as an english speaker well you definitely get to be big fish in a little pond you know um <laughs> It's not that there's no one that speaks English there, but a lot of people, you know, don't realize that just because you have acting experience or because you like anime that, you know, there is a training and there is a there is a skill to doing voiceover. So you, when you have a small amount of people who are skilled at it, who know what to do, how to speak into a microphone, how to read a script, how to do all these things in an efficient way. There's a small amount of people that know how to do that. So if you're a skilled voiceover actor and you know what you're doing and you have a great demo and you move to Hong Kong, you're going to get a lot of work because you become big fish and little pond over there. Um, but um, that being said, there's no SAG AFTRA over there. So there's no union looking out for you. So you have to basically look out for yourself and make sure that you're not being ripped off. You kind of have to keep your ear to the ground and know what is the fair rate for certain things uh, because there's no standard of anything. So, you know, it's uh, it's tough if you go in there completely blind and not knowing anybody. But luckily, I, you know, I got to work with a, a great team from early on and that's good. The, the voiceover community, pretty much everyone knows each other. And it's the same 12 people that do all the voice work in Hong Kong. There's <laughs> seven and a half million people in Hong Kong, but about the same, I don't know, eight to 10 people do all of the English stuff, you know, <laughs> there. And so that's, you know, if you're, uh, if you're out there and you, you know what you're doing, that you can make a good living at it. Yeah, I noticed uh, everyone kind of is in the same projects together. When I was talking to Catherine a day or two ago, she said it was always uh, her, Lily, Lily Troncale, and Muriel Hoffman were always in like the same projects. Oh, yeah. 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 And if they included men in there, I was usually a part of that crew, too. <laughs> so, but, yeah. you know, it's all about quantity and how much can we get done in a short amount of time over there. Uh, the upside of that is, is that in, you know, the 13 years I was there, I was in over 60 different, you know, anime shows, uh, different 60 different series. The downside of that is that everything is very rushed. It's very, okay, hurry up. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Sometimes that means depends on who's directing and everything and who's producing and everything. But sometimes that means quality is hurt a little bit too. Whereas I do find, to answer your question, one of the things that's different in L.A. is they want to get it right. And they want to, you know, right. they want to make sure that you're taking a look at it. You understand the scene before you jump into it. There, it's just like, don't even look at the scene. Okay, now we're going to page 10. You're a wizard on top of the hill. You're really angry. And let's go. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you just got to <laughs> jump into it. And that was one of the things that kind of threw me when I first moved out to L.A. is like, oh, you're letting me watch the scene? first before i just huh. jump into it and do that i'm like wow that's great 
oh, you're telling me what's actually happening to my characters? Well, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff ends up being rushed um, and done really, really quickly because they have a short amount of time to do things. It's just like, a, it's factory. It's like the McDonald's of dubbing. You know, it's like, how many burgers can we get out in a short amount of time? Wow. Yeah, that's that's very different. I did not realize that you didn't get to look at the screen of what what's going on in the show. Uh, most of the time, I would say no. It's just like it was just like you were seeing it all for the first time, and you were just giving it a go, and you were just trying it, and you know, and if you were totally off, like all of a sudden your guy starts screaming and running down the road, and you're like, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> and then okay, you do it over again. And this time, you know, he's going to be screaming and running down the road. But it's weird because after like years and years of doing it, you almost kind of get in the habit of just like just chasing what they call chasing it. And just, you know, as it changes, you adapt to whatever's happening and you just uh, just go. So it was it's it's difficult, but, you know, kind of like playing an instrument, the more that you do it, the easier it is and, the you know, better you get at it. But I think that's kind of one of the, it was kind of, I kind of consider all that time that I spent in Hong Kong, my boot camp for the real world of voice <laughs> acting when I came to LA here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great analogy, actually, just based on what it sounds like. Yeah. What is the casting or audition process like in Hong Kong? Uh, well, for the most part, because there's just the same, you know, 10 to 12 people that do everything. Uh, the directors just directly contact you and be like, I, you know, I got this, this show for you. We're going to do it on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, um, mornings and afternoons. Are you available? No. Okay. Let me ask David, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, a, so there's not really much of an audition process. Um, now when it comes to that's for like the dubbing and stuff like that, because everyone knows these people, have the ability they work with these people they know oh he can do boy voice he can do you know old man voice he can do evil boy that guy can cover these characters that i need um so it's a lot different than how it is in la la you're having to audition for everything you know um you're competing against you know in la i'm a grain of salt on a sandy beach of talent there's a million voice actors out here um but in Hong Kong is quite different. The only thing I would say is that if it's not a dubbing or an anime type of situation, if it's say a, you know, a radio commercial or a, um, you know, like a corporate internal video or something like that voiceover in Hong Kong, then they will cast based on your demo. Okay. Sometimes they'll have you audition, but very infrequently in Hong Kong, they just want to hear like your demo reel. Okay. This person can, do our, you know, Shanghai Steel Corporation, you know, corporate video, and they'll hire based on just that. Wow. Yeah, so you've you've got knowledge of both sides. You're not just you don't just know Hong Kong because you're doing LA work now, so you know what yeah. it's like in both. Sure. So that's great because uh, some of the people who are interested in this only know the American side. Right. So right, yeah. Yeah. When you were recording in Hong Kong, did you need to make any adjustments to the script in the booth or was it good already? Oh, uh, no, there was always adjustments that were being made. So 
it depends again on the production, but now if you get a great script writer, then you don't have to do a lot of adjustments because it's written as a science. There's a different punctuation that would show, you know, is it one small beat or is it a dot, dot, dot? Is it a comma? Is it how long do I pause? Things like that. These lines mean that it's going to be off screen. uh, So I don't have to look for my mouth in that, you know, and different things. And, it wasn't until recently, I guess in the last maybe five years that they started using the script on a, on the actual screen, uh, kind of like a karaoke, oh. you know, where you would, you know, where they, um, they call it the rhythm band or, you know, there's the, the words oh. that move across like a karaoke screen. And then, you know, when the words hit a certain line on the, on the screen, just like in karaoke, you should be saying that word in order to fit the mouth pr- perfectly. But before that, before like five years ago, at least definitely in Hong Kong, we always just had paper scripts and uh, we would have to follow along and adjustments would be made all the time. Um, Sometimes they'd be like, oh, no, this is going to air in, uh, you know, in Indonesia. We can't say magic. Let's change this to blah, blah, blah. Um, And then sometimes it would just be like, no, it's just not working. Um, You know, the writer just didn't add enough words and so sometimes you know when when you're doing it as long as you know as we were we would just add something and we we you know 99 times out of 100 would uh you know it would be approved we didn't have to like get it you know checked and send it to corporate or anything like that (laughs) but um but that's one of the things here in LA it's, you know, it's very different. The It's up to the director to, if they, but even in LA uh, sometimes words, you know, the scripts aren't a hundred percent and there's a few extra flaps of the mouth and they're like, okay, we're going to need to rewrite that. And it's up to the director to give you the new dialogue. When you're recording in Hong Kong, are there other actors with you in the booth or are you by yourself? Uh, again, that depends on the studio and the director and what they want to do and also what you're doing. So for example, um, of course, this is all pre COVID days. Uh, if you're doing Walla and you're doing a lot of group scenes, if there's a lot of battle scenes, fight scenes, things like that, then you're going to have a group together. Um, there, there was a sense of let's just bring in three people in the booth at a time, even if there weren't those fight scenes, just because it's time efficient. So sometimes you would sit there with two others, sometimes, you know, three others crowd around the table. When it would come to your line, you would interact off of each other and very close quarters. Uh, And then that kind of, that kind of, that changed throughout the years. And then they started doing just like, well, let's get one person at a time to do all of your stuff. And so that's, I think pretty much how it's done now. Uh, is one person at a time in the booth um, unless it's, you know, the group wall of battle scenes, things like that. Okay. On that note, speaking of, you know, pre COVID, what is the recording process like now in LA? Currently studios have opened back up. Okay. So when it all, when the shit hit the fan March of, you know, 2020, everything shut down. And at that time I was involved with a couple different shows. I was, and 
we didn't really know what was going to happen. And the studios were saying, well, let's just wait this out. It might be just like over with in two weeks or maybe a month, you know, just kind of wait. And then it became, okay, well, this isn't going away anytime soon. So maybe we'll send you equipment because we want all the actors to sound like they're, you know, coming from the same microphone or they want, you know, from the same equipment. So the first initial thoughts were that, I was going to have almost three different studios in my home, three different microphones, three different, you know, interfaces, blah, 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 because they all wanted, you know, each show to, to be technically just like everybody else. And then um, every voice actor that existed, if they didn't already have one, you were getting your home studio set up mm. because not only are you auditioning on a daily basis, but now all of the, uh, all the work was going to be from your home studio. And if you did not have a home studio set up, you were not going to be able to work and you couldn't just have a, you know, you can't just have a USB plugged into your laptop yeah. sitting on your desk at home. You had to have, you know, th the real deal, you know? And, uh, and so people were, you know, I made an investment of a few thousand dollars, you know, to, for my setup. And I'm glad I did because it paid off in the end, but you know, a lot of people, we're kind of tossed into that, you know, right around that time, March, April. And there were some production houses where like, ah, you don't have a proper setup. Sorry, we can't use you, you know? Um, and, uh, but now it's more or less, they'll give you the option. Um, they'll say, we prefer you come into the studio because it's easier. It's more time. It's, um, and at, but they'll say, you know, if, you can't, or if you're not feeling well or, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll do it from your home studio. So, um, but I personally, I prefer going in the studio. I pre prefer being there, um, interacting with the tech, the director, everybody that's involved. And, uh, I, I enjoy that more. So I go in whenever I can. So what are some favorite projects you worked on? You know, most recently I had this, uh, I, I didn't have one of the major lead roles in it, but Super Crooks, I'm watching it right now, just aired on Netflix, and I got to do some voicing in that, which was a lot of fun. Some of the stuff, the past things that I've done, uh, I have worked on uh, King and Assure, which was a lot of fun. Um, one of the past uh, things that I did for like Disney Asia, um, Disney XD, that I, when I was out there, I had a lot of fun with Line Town. <laughs> and playing um, a character in Line Town, which they have an actual Line Town store in Hollywood here, and also in uh, New York, as well as wow. in uh, Seoul, Korea. And I remember going into the store because I was so excited. I played the character Moon, and I wanted to go in. I wanted to get like a little, uh, you know, a little Moon character, just a, you know, a little figurine to just to have and put on my little table of characters i've done little toys and uh and i go in there and there's every now my character was in literally every single episode so it wasn't like a sub character or anything but they didn't have a single toy oh my god for the character of moon and i'm like <laughs> why is there no moon there's like every other character but no moon and you're killing me and finally they were like oh yeah we, we well we found this 
keychain and here's the stationery and it's got moon's photo uh, along with the others on the station i'm like oh man that was like uh, and i was like what uh why is it that there's no oh yeah it's just one of our least popular characters and you know we don't oh. get a lot of <laughs> that, that's awful <laughs> like oh kill me now uh what are you <laughs> so but it was a lot of fun doing it even if i didn't have any toys made of me whatever. <laughs> well, and for the get? listeners at home um Michael and I have talked before. I had a stream where he, Chuck Huber, and Peter Doyle, who all played the dad on Shin Chan, uh, got together and talked about their individual times on the show because they had three three different versions of the show. And I uh, loved loved you and Shin Chan. That was a wonderful performance. That's a fun. Yeah, that was a definitely a fun show. That's uh, you know, there's been a lot of different versions of that show, mm-hmm. so I'm sure people have their fan favorites or whatever one they like the most. But we we had a blast doing that in uh at Red Angel Media mm-hmm. in uh in Hong Kong and um that's a great studio to work with. Yeah, I've noticed they they, they put out some great stuff. Mm-hmm. How about some uh least favorites or alternatively most challenging projects you've worked on? Uh well I don't want to say least favorite. I don't want to bash anything I've done because there's certainly been a a, a large array of horrible quality stuff that just comes through um especially when i was working in hong kong with like things that can't you know educational cartoons that came out of mainland china oh my god but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name any names because i don't think that's fair uh but i will say okay so challenging uh in a fun way was for animax one time we had uh i did a show called yakitati um japan where it was a show was all about making bread and that's the entire theme of the anime in every episode there was like bread making competitions and chefs and stuff and again without really knowing the show and without being seeing too far ahead i was given a character which what they would just call a one-off here's a one-off character we're just gonna he's gonna be a goofy character here and then we're never gonna see him again so like don't give it much thought just throw it out there and so it was like this wacky clown character that um i just well i did my thing and voiced him and um next thing we notice okay he's back in the next episode oh interesting by the near the like the last third of the series its show became almost exclusively about this clown (laughs) which i was like why why did i get and i had what we call voice regret it was like, <laughs> why did I use such like a horrible, wacky voice for that character? That's oh my so, gosh. It was so freaking annoying and I hated doing it myself. But I was like, but I had already dug my own grave. I had, you know, I had no idea that it was going to turn into this, you know, character lasting as long and big as it was. But that's what you get for not researching it, I guess. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of work? Like, do you like doing anime, video games, live action? Yeah, no, definitely anime and video games are my favorite, I think. Um, it's something that, I, especially when I I love just um, <laughs> if I voice a game and if I can find someone who's, uh, you know, playing it and recording themselves and then putting it on YouTube or something like that. And they'll have commentary about my characters or what we're saying. and Or, you know, it's just it's kind of cool to see other people playing, you know, 
a game and hearing your voice in it in a way, you know, I don't know. There's just something about that. This is fun. Hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and the animation, I, I love the fact that you can do, you know, multiple voices in one single episode. And for the most part, usually the audience is fooled and doesn't realize that's the same person doing all those different voices. Um, but with live action, not that I don't like it. Of course, I do enjoy it. I do a lot of it. But you have to have a more natural voice. You can't really do silly voices. You can't really change your voice too much. You have one or two, maybe three different pitches that you can use in live action. But, you know, I can't talk like this if I'm in a live action <laughs> film, you know. So. Who do you look up to in your field of work? Like, who inspires or who has inspired you to... uh do what you do uh well you know I, I started off like i mentioned earlier as a theater actor um i you know i studied theater theater was my main thing i i do consider myself an actor not just a voice actor right because i i do film television as well and voice acting happens to just be one of the realms that i do uh and i i would say that early Disney for me was one of the things that inspired me. And as far as the voices go, Robin Williams mm -hmm. was uh, an idol of mine. Um, and I loved him growing up. Mm -hmm. So getting to see him, for example, as the genie and uh, <laughs> Aladdin was just so much inspiration there being able to all these silly, goofy voices and the, and the energy that he brought to him. Blah, 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 and I thought, wow, how exciting would that be to possibly do that someday to to bring a character like that to life so i would say early disney from you know the late 80s to 90s was what inspired me the most what do you do to warm up your voice uh well i guess uh i'm pretty bad at that <laughs> it depends on what i'm gonna do so if i know I, I don't know if it's warming up so much as it is there are things that I won't do, for example, or things that I'll do ahead of time. For example, I'll make sure I'm hydrated. I'll make sure that yes. I'm going to drink a lot and I'll make sure I'm drinking the right stuff and not like a full glass, like a milkshake or something of dairy that can cause a lot of phlegm or anything like that. So um, I may enjoy, a, you know, there may be a cold glass of milk that I'd love to have. But if I know I'm going to do a session, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink it. Mm -hmm. uh, same with, uh, same with alcohol. I'm not going to get sussed or liquored up the night before. If I have, um, <laughs> if I have a morning session, I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. I'm not, Good. you know, but um, I know I'm not going to go around a smoky bar, hang out with friends that are smoking. If I have a session the next morning too, because it's going to affect my voice a bit. So there's a little bit of things that you can prepare for. Like, do I go in and start doing me, me, ma, 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 ma? No, I don't do all that shit. I know a lot of people do that works for them. Great. But uh, for me, I just make sure that I'm prepping myself, making sure I'm hydrated, making sure I'm not, you know, sabotaging myself with things the night before or whatever or prior to the uh, prior to the actual session. And it also depends on the type of thing that I'm doing too. If it's a, say if they need a deeper, if they need a deeper voice, it's down here or something of that nature. First thing in the morning might be better for me for a deep voice. Whereas if I need to sing, 
or if I need to uh, reach a really high pitched thing, the afternoon when I've talked a bit more, my voice is warmed up. Um, but I also know that I have to limit my auditions prior to a voice session too. So if I have a lot of auditions, you know, the first thing is the actual paid gig that comes first. So I don't want to shoot out my voice by doing six auditions, you know, in the morning and then come afternoon. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. You know, <laughs> that yeah. kind of defeats the purpose. So I usually, if I have a voice session, I don't do any auditions until late at night. And then before I go to bed and uh, that's, as, um, that's the best timing for me. Okay. Now it's uh, moving on to a section I have about specific projects. Um, I asked my fans uh, if they had any specific questions for you. Um, we talked talked about this a little bit before, but um, what do you remember about working on Bacchano? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, well, all right, it's all right if you don't remember. <laughs> no, I do. I, I remember it being a really cool, like, gangstery type of show, which I thought was a lot of fun, like the whole... Um, but I there were again another there were multiple dubs of that and we had the animax dub mm -hmm. the lesser known dub yeah. of it all <laughs> um but yeah that was a lot of fun but that was um that was one of the very first ones where i got you know to i felt like i got to do some real acting and to use my natural voice a lot of times um for so, some of the characters and um and I like the fact that it's like it was this gritty show, you know, and that yeah. it wasn't uh, that. Yeah, there were some really good moments of that. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Good. I've been told multiple times to see the show, but I have yet to. I know some <laughs> of the Animax dub is found. Yeah. Um, yeah, some, I, of, some of it, but I don't remember how much. I think there's like a clip or two on my uh, video, VO Reel, that yeah. I used. But, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I remember back in the day I had a, uh, I had, I subscribed to Animax while I was in Hong Kong and then I had a DVD recorder set up and I would record a bunch of the episodes and then I would burn it to a DVD and then later put it onto my computer and then YouTube. And then all of a sudden it started getting taken down left, oh. right and center when I would put it up on YouTube. And mm -hmm. that uh, so now I was doing a little digging around on wikis. Uh, I saw on some wikis about Doctor Slump because we've we've talked about that. I did mm -hmm. a whole, whole video about it. Um, sources are saying that uh, Omni did both the '80s and '90s series with uh, 23 episodes each because it says that it came from you. Um, is that accurate? Uh, it could be. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I. I think that we did a shitload of those episodes and I can't remember what years they were from, but they were the older versions. Definitely. Um, but I I'm pretty sure that we did multiple ones, both. Um, it sounds right to say eighties and nineties version, but um, again, I, you know, there were a lot of the, those ones that were redone and re like, you know, when we did uh Kimba the White Lion and things like that, which was like the original Lion King. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we did a lot of the the 80s versions in English and it never saw the light of day um, on, you know, outside of Asia yeah. and things like that. And I think that that happens a lot. So I don't think that there are any, there is any footage of the, uh, 
Dr. Slump out there, None. the one that I did. So. None. I wish. That's why I like helping try to at least preserve the information. Yeah. If not help to jog someone's memory or get in touch with someone that does have it. And it's like, oh, yeah, I have this. Or, hey, I know about this. If you had the chance to voice any character or be on any project, uh, what would you choose? Oh, if I could be on any project? Yeah. Well, then I want to be on something big. I want to be on The Simpsons. <laughs> I was just going to say, I've heard The Simpsons yeah. a few times now. Yeah. I mean, why... <laughs> Why go small? Why be like, oh, there was an obscure little anime of a show that I heard that they're doing, and it might be on, you know, streaming. So, no, go big or go home. I want, yeah. <laughs> Stick me on Animaniacs. Stick me on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so on any, any casting directors listening, uh, there is a person perfect for The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all tuning in. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, no, go big or go home. Yeah, I'd love some of those big ones. That'd be great. That's awesome. And then, uh, what's on the horizon for you, either voice acting or otherwise? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm doing a lot of uh auditions on a daily basis, so you know, I just had a um a live action short film that came out that I uh posted some scenes for online, which was nice, and um, you know, just continuing to follow the Hollywood dream audition your butt off every single day. And then um, every once in a while things pay off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what words of wisdom do you have for prospective actors or anyone else in the, this field of work? Well, if you are starting off, you just have to be humble about the fact and realize that you need to, go into it knowing that you know absolutely nothing about <laughs> voice acting, that you have a lot of learning to do, no matter how much theater you've done, no matter how much um, acting you've done, or no matter how much anime you love watching and think you, you know, your mom, your brother, your sister tell you you got a funny, silly voices and you would be great as a voice actor. You just have to be humble enough to know that you have a lot of training to do if somebody yeah. wants to get into this. And even myself, I've been doing this for, you know, what, oh God, I don't know, 14, 15 years now, I still take lessons and classes and workshops, mm -hmm. sometimes uh, in person, sometimes, you know, especially nowadays over Zoom. Um, it's not something that you ever stop studying and learning about. Um, and it's an ongoing process. So uh, you just have to realize that. And the other thing is that, you know, there was a, as my another one of my heroes, Jonathan Winters, once said, if if your ship doesn't sail in, swim out to it. You know, you got to do what you got to do in order to make it happen. You can't just idly sit by. You <coughs> have to take risks. Yeah, take risks and go out there and uh, and just work hard for it. Anything you want to advertise? I know you said you're on Instagram. Uh, anything else? Any projects you have? No, not really. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, nothing I want to okay. advertise at the moment. But yeah, go check it out. Check me out on Instagram. And uh, I'm pretty horrible at all the other stuff. Uh, all the other <laughs> it's all um, public yeah, social media stuff. Yeah. We'll do. And let, let me know next time you're in Ohio and we'll, I'll, I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> <laughs> right on. What part of Ohio are you at again? Uh, Columbus. 
Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, go check out a Shadowbox show. I, mean, I think we okay. talked about this, right? That's yeah. where I was. That's where I, the theater I was working at before. But yeah, yeah. tell them Mike so. Pizzuto sent you. Yeah, I was gonna say it was the same. Sasuke, do you know Mike? They might Pizzuto. get you. Yeah, tell them Mike Pizzuto sent you, and I bet you they'll give you a discount. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, have a wonderful day. I will let you know before this goes live. It's going to be sometime next year. Cool. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Michael Pizzuto is still doing voice acting in California, one of his latest roles being Professor Maisel in the anime Spriggan, dubbed by VSI. You can check that out on Netflix in the U.S. You can also check out Michael on his website, michaelcpizzuto.com. Thank you to Michael for doing this interview, and thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate this podcast five stars and subscribe via your favorite podcast app to know first when an episode is posted. If you want to hear more info about English dubs, check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Yuiharuhara. Here's my guest next time on English VoiceOver in Asia. Hi, my name is Charles Glover. If you're an actor that has worked in Asia and would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to yuiharuhara at gmail.com. If you're a listener and would like to know when I have upcoming guests, please follow me on Twitter at yuiharuhara or stay tuned to my YouTube community tab. From there, you'll be able to ask guests questions that may be featured in their interview. Until next time, take care.